Church, we've been in a series in the book of John called This Is Reality. And uh, today we have a special guest. Many of you guys know him, Francis Chan. Before he comes out uh, on stage, I'd like to invite out Jessica Scoopian, um, and she is going to read today's text. So please open your Bibles to John chapter 6. Hi, Jess. Hello. How you doing? We'll be reading verses 1 through 15, and then moving down to uh, verses 25 through 59. Verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far, how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now let's go to verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to, began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I, I came down from heaven? 
Stop grumbling amongst yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be, with, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I, give, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is God's word. Fortunately, uh, Dave only gave me 71 verses to cover today. So, um, <clears throat> so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to summarize that story she just told and uh, then give you a few main points because there's no way we're going to get through every single verse. Um, but basically it's this. Jesus was trying to get away with his disciples, you know, his 12 disciples, but then crowds started to follow him. It says 5,000 men came and found him. So probably more like fifteen to 20,000 people are finding Jesus, and they're looking for him because he performed all these healing miracles. So he had built a reputation. He tries to get away with his disciples. Fifteen to 20,000 people follow him. You know, he looks at the crowd and going, man, we're out in this remote place. There's nothing for them to eat. You know, how can we feed these people? And one of the disciples go, man, we, we don't have that kind of money. We don't even know where do we get that kind of food. All we have are five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, just start passing it out. And let's watch what happens. And they pass it out. Everyone is so full. And he says, okay, now pick up the leftover pieces. And there's 12 basketfuls of bread. And so the people see this miracle as they've seen all the other miracles. And they go, this is the guy. This is the king. Let's make him our king. Let's overthrow the Roman government. This is what we've been waiting for. And Jesus, knowing they were doing this, he runs away from them. He gets away from them. A little while later, we skipped a part where he walks on water. It's a little detail. And uh, a <laughs> little while later, the people find him. And it's, you know, it's kind of one of those moments where Jesus runs away and all the people are like, why'd you leave us? And he says, because you guys aren't really interested in me. You're following me because you see these miracles and you see this bread, but you don't, you don't really want me. You just want more bread. You want to use me somehow. It's not about me. And then he goes on to explain. He goes, look, I'm the bread of life. Do you even understand who I am? Like, if you want to follow me, I'm not interested in you just coming and watching my miracles or me providing something for you. He goes, if you want to follow me, you got to eat my flesh, drink my blood. you got to be consumed with me. 
And at that point, just about everyone left him. And he's got like 12 disciples left. And he goes, you guys want to leave too? And Peter goes, no way. You've got the keys to eternal life. And uh, let me just throw out some main points I see in this passage that uh, I believe God wanted to communicate to us. Uh, First thing is this. Jesus in this passage is unashamedly saying to all the people, he's declaring to them how great he is. Okay, and I know that sounds arrogant to some of you. Like Jesus, but that's what he does throughout the book of John. I mean, arrogance is offensive. When so, I, mean, I mean, if I came here and, and, and I, I said, hey, you know, here's why Dave brought me here. I don't think you'll find a better speaker. I think Dave knows this, and Tariq, come on, give me a break. It's just, it's, it's, you, this would be so arrogant, so offensive. I mean, you've got to understand the words Jesus uses here were offensive back then, just as they are today. I mean, when Jesus talks about himself, he, he, he lifts himself up as so great that he doesn't give us the option of saying, oh, he's just a good teacher, or he's a good prophet, or he's kind of like Moses, or he's kind of like Abraham, he's kind of like this, kind of like that. No, Jesus' point in the book of John is, I'm going to set myself apart from everyone who's ever walked this earth. And, and in, in the book of John, this is the first time he, he uses one of these I am statements. You know, and here in this passage, he's going, look, I am the bread of life. Man, you, 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 you eat of me, and you'll never be hungry again. Everything else is going to leave you hungry. You're going to be dissatisfied because, but I'm better than everything. I am the bread of life. Later on in, in chapter 8, he says something even more offensive. He goes, he goes, before Abraham was, I am. Because the Jews were, 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 were talking about Moses. They talk about Abraham. Those are the people they lift up. And, and, and they're trying to compare Jesus to Abraham. And Jesus makes this statement. He goes, you don't get it. Before Abraham even existed, I am. Okay, that was a strong phrase. It it wasn't just saying, uh, you know, he could have said I was, but he says I am. That was the term that they would use for God. That's what when Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? God says, I am. And so when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, the people picked up stones to stone him. Okay, then later on in chapter 9, he heals a man who was born blind and he says, I am the light of the world. You've been walking in darkness, but now the light has come. The bread has come. In, 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 in chapter 10, he says, I'm the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Later in, in, in uh, chapter 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. All those who came before me, they were thieves. They were crooks. I'm the good shepherd. In, uh, in, in chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He goes, I'm the resurrection. All life is found in me. He, he goes on in, uh, in chapter 14, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in, in chapter 15, he says, look, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. So all through the book of John, he he speaks very highly about himself. Jesus says, I'm it. 
You can go searching for other things. You can go to other teachers. But I'm saying even Moses, Abraham, they don't compare to me. Don't group me in with these human beings. He goes, I'm the bread of life. And I know that sounds so arrogant to some of us. But we have to understand we can't apply human rules to God. It's, it's different than for me to boast about myself. When Jesus does it, you have to understand that's the most loving thing he could say. Because if he doesn't set himself apart and above everything else and make it clear that he's the only one that can fulfill, then we're going to spend our lives running to other things looking for fulfillment. So the most loving thing he can do is actually draw us to himself and let us know how great he is and how far beyond all other teachers, all other people he is. So the people try to uh, compare him to Moses in this passage because it was a similar scene. Remember the Old Testament, you've got Israel out in the desert and they've got no food and, and, and uh, Moses, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> Moses prays to God and suddenly there's this bread-like substance that is, is on the ground there. And so the people are going in, in verse 32, they're saying, well, you know, Moses gave us a sign. And, and what uh, Jesus said is, truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus, first of all, Moses didn't give you bread in the desert, okay? That was God, that was the Father. Okay, so don't, don't lift up Moses like he's God. He didn't provide the bread my father did. And now, just like he did back then, now he's providing the true bread from heaven. I'm the one that's going to be your sustenance. I'm the one you've really been hungering for. And if you eat of me, this bread, you'll never be hungry again. It's very similar to, to what Dave talked about last week, right? How, how he, you know, the woman at the well, he asked her for some water. He goes, man, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me and I'd give you living water and you'd never thirst again. And here he's doing it again. He goes, do you understand who I am? I'm the bread of life. You'll never hunger again. It's all about me, is what Jesus is saying. You know, sometimes uh, I try to tiptoe around some of these passages sometimes because I know how unpopular that type of teaching is and I don't want to offend other people who believe in other things or have other belief systems. But the truth is, is if you read the language of the Bible, Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was very direct. And if you read from the beginning of scriptures to the end, the prophets do something that sometimes I'm afraid to do. They just lay it out and say it as it is. Um, they, they have no thought of political correctness. You know, if you read about the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel and in 1 Kings chapter 18, you've got all these prophets who believe differently from Elijah. And Elijah's like, go ahead, pray to Baal, pray to your God. See if he can light this sacrifice on all. And he just starts mocking them. 
I mean, he literally says, maybe your God is going potty. That's a phrase he uses. He goes, hey, he's not doing anything. Why don't you pray some more? Maybe your God's busy. Maybe he's relieving himself. And then the people start cutting each other and and praying even harder. And he just mocks them all the way through and goes, look, you can pray to whatever God you want to, but it's not real. It's not going to happen. And then at the end he goes, now watch me. And he gets on his knees and says, my God, God of God of Abraham, Isaac, and show them who you are, and fire comes down from heaven. I mean, that's the language of Scripture, and I know that's offensive, just like Jesus' words are offensive. I was reading Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 44, talking about people who, who create idols. Idols are huge in the world today. You've got millions and millions and millions of people carving idols to worship, and, and, and I... Because I'm a people pleaser, I try to tiptoe around it, like, hmm, nice idol. You know, and you try to, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to offend. I want everyone to like me. But that's not the way the prophets spoke. It's not the way Jesus spoke. In fact, listen to what he says in Isaiah 44, verse 14. He says, he cuts down cedars. Or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak, and and he lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar, and rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles it with fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over half of it he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also he warms himself and says, Aha, I'm warm. I've seen the fire. And the rest, and the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me. You are my God. They know not, nor do they discern. For he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, half of it I burned in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and I've eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? Okay, this is the way the prophets speak. They go, these idols, I, he goes, are they so blind that he would, they would watch a tree grow, cut it in half, use half of it to stay warm and bake bread, and then the other half they'll turn into an idol and bow down and go, you made me. <laughs> See, that's the language of Scripture. It's harsh. It's offensive. And Jesus' words here were very offensive. I mean, here are people who are saying, no, 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 Moses. It's about Moses. And Jesus is like, man, I love Moses. But don't put me in the same category as him. And Moses didn't create the bread. My father created the bread. And he sent me. And I'm actually the real bread. The bread of life. And in verse 35, he said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So first thing you see in this passage is Jesus is very clearly 
and unashamedly declaring his own greatness. See, I'm like no one else. This is it. I will fill you, I will fulfill you like nothing else on that planet and like no one who's ever walked that earth. I am the bread of life. Eat of me and you'll never be hungry again. Second thing we see in this passage is that Jesus expects people to follow him, not just admire him, okay? Jesus had like 20,000 people following him, okay? But that wasn't enough for him. I mean, imagine 20 times this amount of people just following and Jesus feeds them all. I mean, I was trying to picture, you know, try to give you an idea of that. And, and, you know, with a thousand or so people in here, it would be like if I brought one filet of fish from McDonald's and said, hey, start passing this around. And everyone's like, oh, I'm so stuffed. And I'm like, man, gather up what's left over. And we've got like five Happy Meals. You know, it's like, whoa, you know, and he's got, but, but that's the picture. And all these people that have seen him heal people, they're, they're all following and Jesus runs away from them. And when they find him, he's going, look, you're not really interested in me. You're not really interested in following me. You're trying to use me to get something. You want to overthrow the government, so you want to use me. And, oh, he's got some power. We can use this. Or he can give me food. He can give me this. He can give me that. And, and I'm telling you, turn on the TV. You've got preachers left and right going, hey, follow Jesus. He'll give you this. He'll give you this. He'll give you this. And Jesus is going, you don't get it. It's not about these things I provide. It's about me. I am the bread of life. And that's what he's saying there in, in, in verse 26. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He says, you're following not because you saw signs. Okay. Like a sign, like let's say you're driving to L.A. today. What are you going to see? You're going to see signs all the way along the way, right? Los Angeles, 369 miles. Then Los Angeles, 366 miles. And, uh, you know, it's like, really? I only went a couple miles. You, you know, and you see signs, signs, signs. What is that? What are, what's the point of the sign? The sign is nothing. It's just directing you to something. It, the, the whole goal is it's pointing you to L.A. And when you get to L.A., you don't need the signs anymore. That's, that's what he's saying. The, the bread. Man, the, these miracles. They were not about the miracles themselves. These were all signs to point to me. I multiplied this bread so that you would see that 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 was to point to me. I'm the bread of life. You should be after me, and yet you're just after my bread. You're after what I provide. And he goes, that's why I ran away from you. You weren't really interested in me. See, Jesus wants total commitment. He's not just thrilled because we showed up on a Sunday morning and thought, oh, I might be able to get something from Jesus. I might try this church thing. I might take a few good thoughts from this book. Jesus says, no, I'm it. All those things just point to me. He does this several other places where crowds are following him, and he looks at the crowds. He doesn't get excited. See, we get excited about crowds. 
we had 20,000 people at the park, you know? And Jesus like, that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here just to give you bread or do a few miracles. I want you to want me completely. In Luke 14, great crowds accompanied him, and he looks at them. He goes, look, if you're not willing to hate your father, mother, wife, kids, children, even your own life, don't bother following me anymore. He's not interested in people with partial commitment, and that's what he's saying. That's why these words were so gross to the people. Because they were okay with Jesus. They were okay with someone that came along doing some miracles, healing his mom. You know, oh, thanks, help my little sister. Here, feed these people. They're hungry. They're okay with this. But once Jesus calls them to commitment and says, look, if you want to come after me, I want you to eat my flesh, drink my blood. I mean, he was talking about total commitment. In verse 51, he says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the Jews began disputing among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the Father, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Christ doesn't want us today, 2,000 years later, to just add a little Jesus to our lives. Man, and I know, man, I get it. For some of you, it's like your, your life, you know that there's something else that, that ha- you're not there to completion. It's like I'm missing something. And so you think, well, maybe it's a little religion. Let me balance out my life or I'm thinking about having kids and I want them to know a little bit about God and, and maybe we can add a little Jesus. I remember my grandma used to talk about this and so let me go and dabble a little bit and, and I just wanna be honest with you that, that Jesus is saying, look, that's not gonna work. You can't just kind of taste a little bit and grab a little bit of Jesus and use him for this area of your life. He says, it's, it's like eating my flesh, drinking my blood and saying, look, you're it. You're everything. You're more than enough. And this is all that I need is you. Those are hard words. Those are offensive words to some of us. But it's what Jesus was saying. See, lots of people are attracted to Jesus. But very few people will actually follow him. And that's what we see in this passage. There are a lot of people in the world today who want something from Jesus, and they're okay with Jesus. But to actually follow him and to be all in, you know, just consumed with him, like I'm going to eat his flesh, drink his blood, this is all I need. It's not Jesus 
plus a job, Jesus plus a successful career, Jesus plus a guy, plus a girl, plus a family, plus anything. It's just like, no, Jesus, you're it. This is all I need. I believe you're that great. See, right now, while we're sitting here in this room, there's a being in heaven who's looking down at us, and he actually believes he's enough for all of us. And that his worth goes way beyond everything else that he created. But here's the difficult part. Um, and this is so important for us to understand. The last thing I want to share is that Jesus knew that he wasn't going to convince everyone to follow him. He makes that so clear. He knew that not everyone was going to follow him. At the end of the passage in verse 63, he says, It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who, those, who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Then he says, this is why I told you, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus, Jesus knew. When he made these statements, he says, you're not interested. This is why I left the first time. This is why I, ran. I knew you didn't really want me. And once I told you the truth about me, you're not going to follow. He says, look, I'm not, I'm not here just to help your life a little, you know, along. I'm not here just to give you a couple of things and show you miracles. I'm saying, look, you've got to eat my flesh, drink my blood. And he goes, some of you are going to look at me like I'm crazy and you're going to leave. And, and this is so important because I have people ask me, some of you have asked me, hey, you know, I have a friend who doesn't believe in Jesus. He doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. How do I get him interested? How do I get my family to believe in Jesus when, man, I've, 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 I've eaten of his flesh, drank of his blood. I have this amazing relationship, but I can't get my friend or my mom or my sister to even just be interested. How do I do it? I'm asked this question all the time, and I, my answer is you can't. Jesus couldn't even pull it off. Jesus knew. He goes, look, unless there's something else that happens, where God somehow draws them and opens their eyes. Otherwise, they're just going to listen to messages like this and say, that's crazy. That is insane. You're telling me that Jesus is going to solve all of my needs. And Jesus will be enough when I'm lonely. And Jesus is going to be enough forever and ever. It's just foolishness to you. And that's why Jesus goes, look, I'm not here begging you. I can't make you believe. He goes, that's why I said earlier, unless the Father draws you, I can't do anything. That's why a lot of times after Jesus would speak, he goes, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he would just walk off. He goes, I, I don't know. Either, you, either God's going to give you the ability to understand and see and get it, or it's kind of a hopeless situation. He makes it clear in, in verse 44. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I'll raise him up on the last day. There's something that God does. And 
in the church, we haven't been totally forthright about some of this stuff. And I get it. I know why. Okay, like when I was in high school, you know, we would have like, this, this church would have these outreaches. And they would get us to the church. And, you know, a lot of people just weren't interested in Jesus. So they said, okay, but come back next week. We'll have free pizza. We're going to, you know, give away, you, you know, iPod. Well, we didn't have iPods back then. A tape cassette player. You know, we'll have a, you know, it's like, man, come for this, come for this, come for this. And we want to string people along. And I get it. It's because, man, we don't want people rejecting Jesus. It's like, no, maybe if you hear it again, maybe if you hear it again, maybe if I just slowly bring you up on this, but that's not the way Jesus was. He just says, look, this is total commitment. It's all or nothing. Do you want him or not? And he just says, if you have ears to hear, you'll hear me. And if the Father draws me, you're going to get it. I mean, even right now, I just think, God, what did I just do? Like, some of you are listening to me going, he is insane. Like, he doesn't just add a little religion to his life. He genuinely believes those words, that all I need is Jesus. And just like back then. This, see, this is what kills someone like me, is I think, no, maybe if I say it this way, maybe if I say it this way, maybe, maybe, even no, let me not give up yet. Let me, let me think of another analogy. Let me, and then you, you realize what Jesus said is, look, Jesus performed miracles. And then it says, I just preached a message that's full of life and the Spirit. And yet, you're going to walk away. Like if Jesus couldn't do it, why do I think, well, no, 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 I got another, I, I can do better. No, I've got no miracles for you. I, I, my message is like, I'm sorry, that's the best I could do today, I'm sick. You know, it's just like, here, <clears throat> oh, my mind's clouded, you know, everything else, and, it, and yet everything in me is like, man, I want people to understand. And, and it's interesting because... The sad thing is many of you are going to leave and you're going to say, that was nuts. I can't do it. I can't just give up everything, my lifestyle, whatever, family, what. And for Jesus. But it's interesting because he, he ends this passage talking about Judas. He, you know, he, he contrasts Peter, Peter that just says, man, Lord, I, 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 when, when he asks, sorry, I'm like getting all excited. Um, he asked the 12 in verse 67, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus answered to them, did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. Here's the deal. There were people like Peter that stuck around and said, no, you, this is it. Where am I going to go? You've got the keys to eternal life. This is forever. So this stuff on the earth, I understand. It's difficult. But I'm going to give it all up because I, I have no choice now that I know the truth. But then he closes with the story of Judas. He goes, man, yeah, you 12 are left, but one of you is a devil. One of you is going to betray me. 
And that story of Judas is so interesting and so sad because those who know the story know that Judas is the one that betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But his life, and I'm still a little bit confused by it, but his life is so interesting to me because what happens after he gets the 30 pieces of silver? He's holding this bag of silver, and it's, it's almost like he recognized what he did. Like, I traded the Son of God, my creator, the bread of life, the living water, the resurrection and the life. I saw him raise people from the dead, and I traded all of that for this. And there's this story where he's holding this piece, this, these pieces of silver, and he just throws it in the temple like, I don't even want it. What did I just do? I traded God for this. And see, but this is what's going to happen in some of your lives, and this is what drives me nuts, because I can't make you believe me. Is there something else in your life right now that you want so bad, but one day you're going to get it? And you're going to be holding that bag of silver or that woman or that man or those children or that career or that bank account or whatever it is. You're going to hold it and you're going, this is what I traded him for. And like Judas is like, man, I know. Man, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old right now. I know, I don't look it. And, uh, <laughs> but my point is, man, all I can tell you is from experience. Like, God, God has blown me away. And I've met so many people with tons of money, like literal billionaires. And you just see, man, this was what you were after. And it's just like, ah. Uh, Last week, I was speaking to a bunch of NFL players. We had like a, a few hundred of them for a retreat. And, and a few of them were telling me about after winning the Super Bowl, they were just like, that's it? Like they got back on their jet and flying home and go, well, maybe the parade's going to be better. Because it's like, that was it? My whole life for that? You guys, I, I've been married 21 years. I've got seven children. I know. My wife just had our seventh like a couple months ago. My oldest is like 19. And, and man, I love my wife. I love my kids. But I'm telling you, it's so empty. It's not enough. I'm not saying I don't enjoy them. I'm not saying it's not fun. Yes, this is not to brag. It's just like a weird thing that kind of fell on me where I ended up making millions of dollars. I was never supposed to make money. I didn't know I could write. And I was just like, oh, just take it all away. I don't want it. it, it none of that fulfills me. What, what Jesus says here is really like, no, he really is it. Man, there's times when I'm just alone with God and I'm going, shut up. Like it's you and me. I'm talking to him and I'm securing him and he loved me and, and no one's ever going to love me like that. Man, man, and to think, you know, that he sent his son to die for me. 
Man, I, I was watching those, those martyrs, you know, the, 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 in Egypt, you know, in Libya, you know, and watching those 21 people get martyred, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And that, that picture came to my mind as those guys in black were about to saw off the heads of all those guys in orange. And I thought about what would it be like if I looked at my son that I love so much and said, hey, buddy, you know those guys in black that we just watched? I love them. And so, buddy, can you go over there and have them torture you? Because I want, because I love those guys in black so much. The ones that did those awful things. <coughs> and I try to think, I go, I can't do that. I mean, I don't have that kind of love in me. And the Bible says that our creator literally did that for us. And that's why he was sending the sun down. It's like those people have done so many offensive things to me. They don't even want the bread of life. They just want me to, they just want to use me somehow. And then when it's up to their pleasure, they could care less about my laws. And they hurt other people. They use other people. And God's going, but I love them. So son, can you do this? I want to give my only son for this. And the son, even in the garden, is going, Father, is there any other way? But not my will, yours be done. And Jesus, look, I willingly do this then. Greater love is no one than this. You're never going to find love like this. And the fact that I'm connected to that creator, I go, God, that's, that's a story way beyond me. Having a wife and some kids to live however much longer I'm going to be on this earth. And I'm telling you, my fulfillment's in Jesus. He really is the living water. He really is the bread of life. The Lord is my shepherd. That's what I don't want. If you think a relationship's going to take care of your desires, it's just not going to happen. You're going to end up strangling each other. It's when you find fulfillment in Christ and go, man, it's like my cup's overflowing. Life is so good just with him, so fulfilled that you join with others and you're able to give life to others and and that's what jesus was saying look this was not arrogant of him what did you want him to say pursue relationship that'll fill you up no he had to let them know look i don't care what philosophy you grew up in it's not going to work and it's also not going to work if you dabble with me that's why we have people all around the country going i tried church didn't do anything for me. Well, you tasted, you dabbled, but did you ever eat his flesh and drink his blood and say, man, I want all of Jesus. If he really did that for me, I'm ready to give my life for him. And that's why in a moment, we're gonna, some of us are gonna go to the Lord's table and he says, this is how I want you to remember me. This is a symbol where I want you to take this piece of bread. This represents my flesh, and I want you to eat. Eat of my flesh. It's, it's so much like baptism. For those of you who've decided, I'm going to die to myself, and I'm going to rise again and live for Christ, you, you, you go in the water as a symbol of that. And in the same way, those of us who say, no, Jesus, I get, I get it. You are. You, you, you're the bread of life. Is if you believe that, man, those who believe, then take this piece of bread because it represents my flesh that was broken for you. And take this cup, which represents my blood that was shed for you. 
and eat of my flesh. Drink of my blood. And I take that today because I'm calling Jesus. You're it. You're everything. Everything I ever hungered for. Everything I need now and forever. And there may be some of you today who are going, this is the first time I ever understood that. I, I was just here to add a little bit of Jesus to my life. But most of you will think that's nuts. But there'll be some of you where you go, I'm holding that bag of silver like you're talking about. Nothing's fulfilled me. Help me understand Jesus. I want him. And maybe you brought here or know of someone here at reality and you go, man, they're just so secure. They've got it. They're content. I want that. It's because they've eaten of the bread, the flesh, and blood of Jesus. And if that's you and you just say, you know what? I want to partake of this today. Maybe you've never taken of the bread in the cup because you've never really believed that you had to eat of his flesh, drink of his blood. You've never been consumed with that, but you want to do this for the first time. That I encourage you, before you take this, there'll be some leaders at, at the sides you know, to pray with you that maybe today's a day. That's the great thing is Jesus says, look, all who come to me, I'm in no way cast out. If you feel that drawing today and you go, man, I want him, I want him today, Jesus says, you can have me right now. I will come into your life change everything about you but you have to eat of my flesh drink of my blood pray with someone then come and take of the bread and cup